Greetings, Cyberspace, and welcome to episode 22 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angela. Now, I have to say, and I have to admit, I'm kind of doing the tech portion this week a little bit underdress, as was explained to Angela today, because I feel like we might be going very deep into the Apple weeds with a lot of the new announcements that came out um, due to last week's keynote. So I just want to put that out there, Angelo, doing this underdress. You know me. So we we talk a lot about Apple here because we both like Apple, but we don't only talk about Apple. But this is one of the weeks where, along with WWDC, I believe it's the most important weeks of the year for Apple. Um, WWDC is more important for developers and the developer community as a whole. But this is Apple's most important week. Their biggest product comes out. This year it's a little different because um, arguably their biggest product was announced but won't come out for another uh, almost month and a half. But their most uh, used OS comes out this week in a big update. And uh, we do want to kind of touch upon that. And uh, people have been asking me about what iPhone to get and uh, should I update? What's the update all about? And uh, I got to update last night, so I've so we're recording this on Wednesday evening, the twentieth of September, so the day after the final version of iOS eleven uh, was released. And I've been using it for about twenty four hours. And yeah, Brian, ask me anything. <laughs> well, see to me, I'm not really an early adopter of most updates. Like I'm more of a sit back and like let everyone work out all of the issues at hand kind of guy. So uh, to me, like it'll be like next week or the week after. One of the bigger complaints I've heard, unfortunately, is that it does take about two gigs of space to update. Uh, I see that's something I never really pay attention because I always have lots of space on my phone uh, because I use uh, iCloud photo library. So. Photos is usually the thing that takes the most space on most people's phone, and it, I never really considered a problem because it automatically kind of purges my uh, cache of photos whenever it needs to. So I, I have about 16 gigs of space on my phone at, right now. So I never really noticed the the how many gigabyte, gig, gigabyte, gigabytes it took. <laughs> I think it was 1.9 or something like that. So yeah, it's almost two gigs. So you do have to make sure you have the space, obviously, before you start uh, downloading it. For me, the big thing too is I use my phone a lot with Spotify, so I download a lot of albums. So a lot of albums will get undownloaded um, before my 16 gig SE gets the update. Yeah, you have to kind of purge it. And yeah, you were part of the last batch of uh, the horrible time where Apple is being really stingy with the storage. Now, um, the least you can get is 32, which is a lot better than before. But Look, if you don't want to adopt this, you don't want to be an early adopter in this case, I have to say that iOS 11 is probably the least buggy of the .o releases I can remember. Now, that's not to say it isn't without bugs, and I'll get into those later that I've noticed. It's a pretty solid release, and most of the bugs that I notice, most people will not care because I'm crazy. Why don't you give us the biggest upsides first, then, in that case? So the upsides... Um, well, obviously all the security stuff and that boring, boring uh, stuff, but, um, there's, there's a few things that are a lot better on it and I'm, I'm going to pull out my phone and look at them, but there's some updates to some major, uh, to some of the apps. Um, all the major Apple apps have been updated. The app store is a huge update, uh, where it's almost unrecognizable when you go to it. There's, um, now a whole separate page for games, which as somebody that doesn't play a lot of games on iOS, I kind of welcome because it gets the games out of the regular apps that I do go look for. And I'm not a big app 
purchaser or downloader of any kind. I mean, I it's not something I, I, I have a lot of on my phone. I have, I think, 42 apps was the last time I looked. Um, isn't that the meaning of life, I think, 42, right? Uh, if you are a fan of Douglas Adams and or uh, literature from the 70s and 80s, then yes. Okay, so yes, it is the meaning of life. But that's how many apps I have. But it is a nice feature. Photos got an update as well. There's some more editing features as well. The camera app's a little better. Photos, what's interesting is if you do take live photos, there are some really cool options now that you can do with the live photos themselves. You can actually pick the picture of the live photo. So you know how you would take a live photo and sometimes you would it would be like an awkward looking image that it would get the still? Right, so you're talking about a good cover image. Exactly. You can pick the what they, what they call the key photo, which is a nice little feature. Messages has some updates. One thing I'm not crazy about, and it's not a bug, it's just an aesthetic thing, is that all the Apple apps have these huge banners at the top. So messages says messages. If you go to uh, mail, you see mailboxes at the top, and it's it's a huge, huge thing. It's like it announces it. Uh, but it's fine. Notes is really great. I feel like you're you're slowly going down the the bad things rabbit hole. So no, let's no, 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 no. How many times can I say no? Uh, <laughs> notes is great. What's cool about Notes is um, you can actually scan now from the Notes app. So let's say you have a receipt or something you want to scan. You just go to your Notes app. You, there's a scan option, and it does a really great job of scanning. Um, a piece of paper. This is something I come across often at work where um, people have to send me scans of certain things and they take just awful pictures of them holding up a piece of paper in front of like the sink in the bathroom. Uh, and now I can't wait to tell them, do you have an iPhone? Yes. Go into your notes app, use the scanning app and we're all good. Cause I have, I often tell people download a scanning app for your smartphone. Oh, you can do that. They're shocked. I think it's one of the bigger hidden features of things, right? So I had a, I can't remember which, but a couple of years ago, I had a, um, an app installed on my iPad 2, which allowed me to scan um, uh, UBC codes in order to build my DVD collection virtually. Okay. Um, so that was kind of uh, associated with the idea of like you were able to like scan things and sort of um, get apps to do a lot of the grunt work for you in terms of like physical um, pieces of paper or, you know, things that you own that you want uh, digital in one form or another. Well, um, along the same lines now with the actual camera app on your phone, you can scan QR codes, which I know are uh, somebody who works in uh, social media are the bane of your existence. But um, <laughs> somebody asked me when they were coming back, and I said, never, uh, God willing. I remember seeing a flowchart once at work of when to use QR codes, and it was just always led to never. It was kind of funny. There are two um, things you, could, you should never use as like anyone who has anything to do with social media, right? So the QR code is one, and then um, using the Google Plus platform is another. <laughs> does that even still exist? Unfortunately, if you visit a lot of corporate websites, it does. But those same websites think that memes are just pictures, right? Right. And Foursquare still is a, a relevant force uh, to be reckoned with because yeah. this is 2012. Of course. So look, uh, there's so many features. I'd say it's a definite update. A huge app that I like now that they added is something called Files. So now you have a file system on your iOS device. Because that was one of the so, bigger draws of the Android system, right? I, I was able to access this. And I think one of the earlier episodes, I was really complaining about the lack of a file system manager on my uh, then newish iPhone. Yeah. And now you don't have that problem anymore. Uh, you can easily access your files. Now you can't really mess around too much. Uh, Apple would never give us that power. But 
it really helps in order to um, make a difference in how you work with it. And so this was me looking at the iPhone. The biggest differences are on the iPad. Um, as somebody who has a very recent iPad, the most recent one, um, I'm getting all these amazing new features where my iPad almost feels like a Mac at this point because I now have a dock at the bottom that can add up to 15 different apps. Uh, and there's always an extra three on the side that um, iOS intelligently thinks I will use. And it's usually pretty spot on. And I can drag and drop things all over the screen. So I can actually have two or three apps running at the same time, grab a photo from Photos app and put it in my Notes app and then send it to you in the Messages app without any uh, issues at all. It's quite impressive. So there's a lot of positives with iOS. We're obviously not going to go into all the features, but definitely uh, actually download it. Now, uh, the bugs I mentioned before, they're more for people like me that are crazy that notice these things. So for example, when I unlock my phone, uh, and this is really a bug uh, more than anything, it's not something that's going to bother anybody, but it kind of does this weird blur effect that I don't feel it should be doing. It looks really bad. It kind of blurs the top quarter of the screen for some reason. And then it it's like something sliding off the screen that shouldn't be there. And it looks really bad. It does it on both my iPad and my iPhone. That's a, a very minor uh, crazy person bug. But another bug that I've noticed is in photos, it's not showing my location in a lot of my uh, what the what Apple Photos calls collections and um, moments and event and uh, years. So what's nice about those is I can always find photos by location, and I can't see the location for a lot of the things that seems to be catching up. So yesterday I had no no locations, and now if I look at my iPhone, there aren't a lot of locations, but they're slowly starting to show up. And on my iPad, uh, a lot of them have started to show up. So I. I think it's kind of a caching issue that um, Photos had when it updated, and I'm kind of hoping it sorts itself out either by itself or with an update in the future. It's nothing major again, but still little bugs like this, but little bugs are great. It's fine. Not a big deal because previous iOS versions have had uh, like bricking bugs where you're, you had to actually take your phone and plug it into your computer and do a whole restore before... Uh, it would work. So this is, it's pretty good. Speaking of small downsides and failures though, we did have uh, the infamous or famous uh, iPhone 10 uh, face ID fail from the keynote last week. So uh, Craig Federighi actually uh, was making a press run this week, trying to correct what a lot of people thought was sort of uh, an outright error or mistake that occurred um, during the keynote speech. And it turns out it wasn't uh, an error at all, but that the Face ID had actually um, worked in the way that it was intended in terms of security. Yeah, he was on. Um, he was uh, there was an interview with him in TechCrunch, and he was also on John Gruber's uh, the talk show, just a half hour episode. Uh, people who do listen to that show know that um, basically the introduction is usually half an hour. Those those are like marathon uh, podcasts, usually two and a half hour to three hour episodes. But um, yeah, he was there talking about it, how essentially somebody was handling the phone on stage. Uh, basically, they're always trying to make sure they're nice and clean. So people were picking it up. It would see that it wasn't Craig's face and it would kind of fail. So it's kind of like if you would try to use my iPhone and try to authenticate your thumbprint on it, it wouldn't work. And then when I tried to log in, I'd have to put in my actual passcode and not my thumbprint. So it, it worked as it should. Um, people are saying the Face ID works well. There have been a lot of a lot of questions being answered this week about how it works. Will it work with a scarf? Yes. Will it work 
uh, with sunglasses, most sunglasses will be able to let the IR through. Apparently some don't, and in those cases you'll either have to use your password, passcode like an animal, or actual just take off your sunglasses. One of the things it does have to see are your eyes, your nose, and your mouth. So that's why scarves and hats are fine. But if uh, you're, uh, you have your face covered for any reason, like it's really cold, you're a thief wearing a balaclava, trying to rob a, a, a bank, you won't be able to use. One of the more interesting facets, I think, uh, of the last wave of news was that TechCrunch article that we're going to link into the show notes about how uh, the phone actually doesn't store a picture of your face, but it stores the properties of your face uh, into its matrix. Yeah, so... <laughs> A lot of people are, are wondering if the phone shoots sparkles in your face because of how uh, the advertisements are showing it. But what it's doing is it's basically painting your face with these dots in IR, so you can, obviously can't see them. And by doing that, it's taking every single part of your face and mapping it to what the phone has in its, uh, what Apple calls the secure enclave. So it never actually leaves the phone. You don't have to worry about Apple having a picture of you or anything. It's just in the phone like your thumbprint. Nobody ever had your thumbprint either, so uh, it works well. Now, do you use Touch ID, Brian? Yes, I do. Okay. Sometimes I wonder if you're one of those guys that keeps his phone in a Faraday cage and doesn't use Touch ID because he's afraid (laughs) the government is going to take your fingerprint. No, I definitely use Touch ID, but um, for some reason, it has trouble reading my thumb a fair amount of time due to any slight change in moisture or whatever, so I do have to resort to using my passcode on a regular basis. That's too bad. It, it has no trouble with my right thumb, lots of trouble with my left left thumb for some reason. And I, on my 5S, I had a lot of trouble in the winter. My 6S, not so bad. Uh, the, the thumb, the um, Touch ID scanner on there is, is really fast. The same for my iPad Pro. So I, I don't worry about it too much. I'm still undecided on if I want to switch to Face ID in the future. So it's making my choice of iPhones really hard this year. Um, and that's something uh, I was asked about by a few people is all these iPhones, what do I get? And um, I actually had started writing something for the blog about this, but it was really hard to kind of put into words. So um, I figured we'd kind of break it down on the on this episode quickly. There's a bunch of iPhone models. There's the iPhone AC, which Brian has. There's the iPhone 6S, which I have. Then there's the iPhone 7, and then there's the iPhone 8. These are the ones available now. In a few weeks, the iPhone 10 is going to be available. Now, the thing, and all these are, I think in the US, they start at 349 for the SE, and they go up all the way to 949, I think, for the, uh, or 849 for the iPhone uh, 8 Plus. Now, the thing you have to think about is, though, that the 8 models start at 64 and top out at 260 uh 260 256 gigabytes right you get two choices there but the other models the lower models are 32 and 128 so that's something that you want to maybe think about when you're paying for these phones uh, at the prices you're paying at and i'd say anything past the 6s is a fine processor it i iOS 11 is working perfectly fine. I see no real hiccups or stuttering or anything on my success. So I don't think you'll have trouble with that. It's Apple's so far ahead with the processors that you really don't have to worry about any sort of future-proofing with your phone. If you buy even an iPhone 6S at this point, 
your battery is probably going to die before the actual processor gives out on you. Do you think wireless, quote unquote, wireless charging uh, will bring about a, a different battery life given how you have to plug a phone in? Like, have you read anything based on wired versus quote unquote wireless charging and how that affects a battery's life? I don't think it affects it at all, actually. I don't think that changes much because it's still going through the different cycles of a lithium-ion battery, which in most cases has anywhere from 500 to 1,000 cycles. So that means not 500 times we plug it in because that would be, it would be donezo after like a year and a half, but it's full recharge and draining of the battery. So let's say I run down my battery to 60% today that's 40% gone. And then tomorrow I run it down to 40%. Well, that's one full cycle over the course of two days, if you know what I mean. Right. So it's total battery charge, I guess, more or less. Exactly. And these batteries no longer have memories. Remember the old days when you had to had a rechargeable battery and you had to drain it all the way or else it wouldn't work anymore? A lot of people actually do believe that still with a lot of rechargeable items. Yeah, a lot of people also believe that flicking away apps on your stupid phone will make any difference in battery life, and it's actually the opposite. So Another classic <laughs> Angelo hot take on Apple products right here on Double Density. <laughs> um, but let's get back to the matter at hand, which is a lot of uh, newish updates, including uh, an aesthetic update, right, to the iPhone X. Yeah, it, it, it's something that they're changing the iconic look of the iPhone. And this is something that uh, Mark Ahmed brought up on uh, on his blog, which he doesn't really write on very much anymore. But when he does, it's usually something really um, well thought out. And uh, I always, well, I usually agree with him. Uh, we're going to post a link to the article there. But he essentially is saying that, uh, you know how Apple had the quote-unquote courage last year to remove the uh, headphone jack? Well, this year they're actually having the courage to completely change the way they're most iconic product looks so you're gonna have that notch at the top and the rest of the phone is just a faceless uh, piece of glass and he's saying in his article that that notch is part of it that's going to be the new iconic look of the iphone for the next four five six years probably and i i don't disagree with him i think especially the way Apple is telling its developers to kind of um, the the new mantra in the Apple uh, developer community is embrace the notch, which um, if you go look at Apple's human interface guidelines, they say if your app currently hides the status bar, reconsider that decision on the iPhone 10. So they kind of want you to use those little ears uh, around on the top um, on either side of the notch to kind of put in the status bar there and use the rest of your screen. Uh, the worry I had last time was about uh, movies kind of encroaching on that notch and looking weird, but apparently by default, it's actually uh, it's letterboxed or pillar boxed in this case, right? Like uh, like when you, when you watch a four by three, so it, it doesn't always block your view, but they do want the developers to actually use it as part of the way the aesthetic of the phone works. Um, we're going to post a, a link to the uh, human interface guidelines as well, which are shockingly a really interesting read. Um, or, well, if you're like me. In what ways? Well, you kind of get insight on what Apple wants their developers to do and how they want them to approach their products. 
and things that'll actually get you in trouble if you don't approach them properly. Something I did notice by looking at these uh, interface guidelines is that um, the iPhone 8 Plus on the Plus models are way wider than than the um, than the 10. The screen is not much bigger. If you're thinking you're going to get an iPhone 8 screen, 8 Plus screen on an on an iPhone 10, you're you're wrong. You're you're getting a taller screen. It's sort of like the Samsung phones where they're like really tall and skinnier. That's what's going to happen. Perfect. So I guess we'll continue to monitor the uh, iPhone slash. Uh, uh, current wave of Apple products as they continue to roll out information over the next coming weeks. Switching gears slightly, though, a couple of episodes ago, we had um, talked about things like the RetroPie and emulation gaming because originally the Super Nintendo Classic was not to be available in our home province of Quebec, but gamers can rejoice. According to Toys R Us Canada, the SNES Classic will be available in Quebec. After all, it will retail for about $100 Canadian with a all of the preloaded games listed. There's no real details on what kind of agreement was reached. Was there something the Quebec government did? Were they, like, were they overrun by gamers? Um, is, our, is our minister a gamer? Does he really want the SNES for his kids? Who knows? Um, but it's great news that it's actually going to be here for people that do want to buy it. But in a way, I'm kind of happy this happened because, like I've said, I really like the RetroPie and that whole, um, the whole thing, the whole project of getting to get it to work and playing all these old games on it that look fantastic and emulate really well. I'm kind of happy I, I did it. Although it would be nice to have a cute little uh, SNES classic, especially with the controllers, because um, those SNES controllers are real classic and I can't really use them with... Uh, the RetroPie. I guess I can go out and buy the um, USB SNES controllers that are available all over the place, but I don't feel like spending the money on those. It really does seem like we are covering a lot of Apple this week, however, Angelo. So how do you feel about that? Well, we talked about the SNES for about four seconds. <laughs> I, 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 I guess I guess you're right. I guess we're not monotopical this week in that. No, we, we talked about the SNES. I mentioned the, the RetroPie. Did we say something else? IBM, PCs, yay. Uh, Android. You mentioned Android. If this were a website, your SEO ranking would go way up. Yeah. So look, like I said before, this is Apple's... Arguably, Apple as the company, it's their biggest week. It's their most important week. They have uh, their biggest product. And we're allowed to talk about just Apple sometimes, okay? Look, if you have any complaints, please let us know. We'll be happy to talk about anything else you mentioned, unless it's Android phones. We don't like Android phones. You can reach us over on Twitter at double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast on Instagram under the username double density podcast. You can also head over to our website, double density.net. If you want to, you can go ahead and click on the contact link at the top right of the website and complain to Angela about how I would love to do an episode where the words Apple, iPhone, and iPad do not appear, but I was just kidding about the Android phones, by the way, they're fine products. (laughs) <laughs> it, it almost feels like you sound like a, a bit of a lawyer there just diving in very quickly at the last second with some legalese no I, but i am kidding right that they're, they're all good they're all great phones Everything's they also great. had a file manager way before the iphone did so kudos uh, yeah, to them and, for that. and notifications are arguably much better on android from what i understand i don't know because i don't use android phones um and anytime somebody hands me one i'm flummoxed but um and i just say just go get an iphone do you shake it like you know like a like Wiimote? Did, yeah, exactly. 
how does this how does this work i'm like a crazy old man <laughs> we're gonna put together a how-to yeah, or maybe a quick youtube video called the day angelo met an android phone it's gonna be like two straight minutes of him trying to figure out how to unlock it yeah it's have to like take off your glasses lick the screen what is it no <laughs> lick id that would have been really weird it, a sensory id like yeah like like you have to use a strand of your hair to unlock it like there's a dna sensor or something oh yeah oh you or, like, or or like the old james bond trick you put a hair on your home button to make sure nobody has used your phone Welcome back to Double Dead Scene. As always, we are switching gear from the tech to the paranormal. So a quick housekeeping items. Congrats to our listener, Rob, for guessing last week that the mysterious man we did not name was actually the infamous Stan Romanek. Uh, of course, it's Stan Romanek, the astro lover himself that we were talking about without names. So congrats to Rob <laughs> on that one. Uh, yeah, so congrats. originally we were set up to talk about lake monsters because i'd recently um been in an area where there is a supposed lake monster there's the memphrey magog the magog monster um in the south west portion of uh, the province of quebec but something really interesting came across my radar and i kind of wanted to talk about it first and then maybe we'll get into lake monsters later if not we'll do this next week but first i linked angelo to an article and he originally thought it was from the onion and he didn't realize that uh, this was a serious academic article and the uh, title is Losers Are More Likely to Believe in Conspiracy Theories, Study Finds. Now, I'm not going to define losers just yet because I think that's the twist and that's the funny part. But um, so a um, study was put out in the Political Research Quarterly in late July 2017 by Edelston, Aldunson, Krusen, and more about how um, people who hated Barack Obama uh and voted against him in the 2012 election were more apt to believe in the conspiracy theories surrounding him in terms of his birth certificate and his nationality and things like that. And uh, so this survey talked to about 1,200 Americans, a little over 1,200 Americans before and after the 2012 presidential election. And they found that a lot more participants before the election were willing to believe um, that if their preferred candidate had lost, that voter fraud would be involved. And then after the election, it had dropped down 40%. Um, and so they feel like the drop was largely based on U.S. party lines. So originally, I was very excited because the article kind of sounded like losers, like you, like you had mentioned, like people who live in their basements are more likely to believe in conspiracy theories. But it's actually just, it's more so politically aligned. But I also want to talk about both of those for a second uh, after you tell me your initial thoughts on losers and the American election cycle. Well, it makes a lot of sense because you want to believe that there's something wrong with the other side that won and they're in power. Um, the article mentions how when Bush was, um, was president, the left was thinking about all these wild conspiracies about 9-11 and all this stuff. Um, Halliburton, Dick Cheney, all these things. Uh, who knows what was true, what wasn't. Then once Obama took over, um, the picture's great uh, that's on the article. It's, we don't want socialism, you arrogant Kenyan, um, by somebody who doesn't know what socialism or a Kenyan is. Um, 
it was kind of uh, interesting to see th- things like that. So people kind of blow things out of proportion and try to explain why they lost and basically make it easier for them to swallow that the person they don't want is in power by coming up with these ideas that may or may not be true. Uh, yeah, that's definitely by and large um, the gist of sort of the the findings, right, of these like 1,200 um, Americans who slanted either uh, towards one party or the other before and after the election, right? So uh, one of the co-authors was interviewed by SciPost.org, which is where the um, original story had appeared. And he said something really interesting towards the end of the article when he was being interviewed by the website. He said, the people who believe in conspiracy theories tend to do so because of an underlying disposition towards seeing events and circumstances as the product of conspiracies, right? So they don't actually believe that um, things come out in an organic manner, but really are just manufactured, right? Things come out of nowhere that they didn't expect, and they're looking for something to explain it away. Um, I think... In the last 20 years, the, the biggest example of this is probably 9-11 with uh, the loose change video that came out and how uh, the people behind that video just wanted to make sense of this horrible, horrible event. And they kind of made it big with it, right? They, they basically created a whole movement around this of people wanting to explain what happened and um, kind of... I don't want to say commercialized it, but they almost did. And it became a meme upon itself. I definitely treat 9-11 conspiracy movies uh, and quote-unquote documentaries as almost like a cottage industry, like a, a niche sort of uh, documentary film out there because there were so many, like you had mentioned Loose Change, there's Zed Geist, there's a ton more out there that gained some uh, level of notoriety on the internet uh, due to their quote-unquote shocking facts and findings, right? So I do think that you aren't wrong in saying that it commercialized um, the tragedy in different ways uh, to different ends, right? Like some people, like you were saying, are just trying to find meaning where perhaps there isn't anything beyond the facts presented in you know the official story of an event. And other people love to sort of see the invisible uh, puppet strings, I guess would be the best way of putting it, uh, you know, tied into larger causes and larger um, global conspiracies too. There And with 9-11, the conspiracies run the gamut. There's the actual conspiracy, which was the terrorists that plotted their, their plan. Um, there's the possibility that government's hiding certain facts about it, but not necessarily because they were involved. It's probably for national security reasons, if anything. Um, there's the whole uh, World Trade Center 7 conspiracy. I don't know if you've ever gone into that horrible rabbit hole of insanity um, where it was actually that building was blown up by the government on purpose uh, or something like that. It's nuts. And then there's the really bonkers ones where there's there were hologram projections of airplanes that flew into the buildings. And uh, I mean, it, it does run the full gamut from sort of um, plausible yet unlikely all the way to, you know, the lizard people orchestrated this to further the agenda of the one world government. Yeah, these the David Ikes of the world. Um, are a little, we haven't really talked about him, have we? But uh, we'll eventually get to that nut job. Um, oh, wait, sorry, did I say that? Former I have said a that. football player. David Ike. Oh, I'm th- uh, like real football, not American football. 
Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> football, I would football. have loved to see him play some American football. Too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why he's like this little British man getting pummeled by giant <laughs> men. Um, so this article actually kind of led me to thinking um, sort of more broadly, right, about conspiracy theories in general. And you and I tend to, I think it's very safe to, to assume that we err on the side of skepticism in a lot of these different things, but a lot of people don't. And I think there's two kinds of people, right, who tend to buy into conspiracy theories, those who are out and loud and proud and those who are sort of more closeted about it. And I was just thinking about how um, there is a stigma, either right or wrong, attached to, you know, uh, believing in the fantastical and believing in conspiracy theories and believing in the paranormal, right? Yeah, it's always interesting, though, when you bring up the paranormal. Like, so people have asked me, uh, they said, oh, I heard you have a podcast, or what's it about? And I, I tell them, oh, it's about technology. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. And about the paranormal. And they look at me like I'm crazy uh, because they don't realize that I'm, I'm, I like that stuff, I, but not necessarily believe it all. Uh, and there's some, because I, I approach it from the side of the skeptics where, you know, like, uh, like Carl Sagan, like I've mentioned many times, he's one of my heroes and he actually got, was reading his work is what got me really interested into uh, the skeptical side of the paranormal and how to try and explain these things. And even a lot of things are not explainable, but it's always fun to kind of review them. And I'm much more the person that if I don't understand something, I'll just say, I don't know. Right. Uh, Oh, well, how do you explain those lights that were in the sky or how do you explain this and that? Well, I don't know. There's something, but well, there's something, but there, you're not ready, and neither am I, to sort of make an assumption based on the lack of evidence. And I think that's what a lot of um, people who do believe in the, the paranormal and especially conspiracy theories will jump on any piece of scrap um, that sort of uh, differs from uh, the popular mainstream line of thinking or, you know, the prevalent way of, of seeing an issue and sort of following it that um, towards its quote-unquote logical conclusion, which clearly a lot of the time isn't a logical conclusion yeah. at all um, when you really, really do decide to think about it. Well, they look at people like us as sheep, right? Sheeple, isn't that something? Uh, I wonder who coined that term. Is it Alex Jones? No, it, it runs much earlier than that. Speaking of Alex Jones, sorry, little tangent here. I was having a coffee with a friend today uh, on our work break, and uh, there was two men talking in a, at a table next to us, and one guy kept talking about Alex Jones, and he said, "Well, Alex Jones is here at the top, and then who's below Alex Jones?" And like, did did they hear our like scale of insanity last week or whatever it was? Because <laughs> the, the scale of ufology. Yeah, well, yeah, I can't remember what it was called, but um, we had mentioned sort of Alex Jones and being one end of the spectrum, and they were trying to figure out. But I think they were referring more to media. So you know, Alex Jones at the top of the insane scale, and then maybe Fox News is under there, and then maybe CNN. Um, who knows? They're all kind of skewed one way or another, these news sources at this point. I, I don't really like following American news channels uh, because it's they're kind of in their own little bubble. So I, I, oftentimes the best news source is BB, the BBC. So yeah, anyway, that was my tangent there because... Uh, I had to tell you that somebody at the table next to us was talking about Alex Jones. And you didn't jump in and yell out double density done and walk away. Well, so I was telling my friend who I was with, I'm like, oh my God, I so want to get involved in the conversation. I have no idea what they're talking about, but they mentioned Alex Jones and I really want to talk to them. 
but I didn't. <laughs> but you didn't. As a proper adult, a waspy adult would now just hold their tongue, I guess. Yeah, no, I did not uh, just go up to them and say uh, double density, as you say in our uh, in our little bumpers. <laughs> uh, so very quickly, backtracking a sec, a quick Google search shows us that the term sheeple was first widely accepted to be used in 1945 Whoa. by W.R. Anderson in his column Roundabout Radio. And so uh, the quote is, the simple truth is that you can get away with anything in government that covers almost all of the evils of the time. One sin, nobody apparently can turn you out. The people, as ever, I spell it sheeple, will stand anything well look at that i did not expect it to go back to the 1940s so almost um, so seven years old at this point right so so not on sheeple for hitting old age and uh being used by people on internet forums around the world <laughs> just as the like the laziest put down of all time right like when you hear the word sheeple if you're in the middle of an internet discussion or uh, argument you know juvenile fight you kind of <laughs> just want to walk away at that point right like that's a trigger word to like uh, walking away i think but the thing is is that isn't the opposite true as well the ones that like blindly follow these ridiculous conspiracy theories without even thinking but um, in their mind, they're the ones that are thinking and we're not doing the thinking. We're not following the money or whatever uh, when it comes to certain things. Like uh, the, the, ones, the ones that get me really upset are the anti-vaxxers. Those just get on my nerves the most. But um, again, there's not much you can do to argue with that. We've talked about it before. They kind of fall victim to the backfire effect. So there's not much. But we all fall victim to that, right? Um, I, I, I often wonder what would it take to convince me that somebody got abducted by an alien? What kind of proof could they show me that would, I would say, well, yeah, you're right. Like, would I, if they would present me, look, this is a picture of me hanging out with the alien. We took selfies. <laughs> I'd be like, what? No, that's fake. You faked that. But what if it was real? What would it take for me to understand that was real? Would it have to be like, no, this is a raw image. It's not a faked jpeg um, for example like the ones that our buddy stan romanek has where they're clearly faked and he's duped tons of people to think that he was they weren't faked where he i think their reasoning was no but look i saw they were on the camera he showed me as if you can't put images on a camera that weren't taken by the camera i guess they don't understand digital uh, photography all right so at the top of your um uh, checklist in this point of like <laughs> belief uh, in UFO abduction. So you're going to play photos, right? So next up, let's say the same person shows up to you, you know, hands you the camera with the pictures inside of it, but also has like weird bird marks that you can't explain. <laughs> Why is it all those burn marks? Um, yeah, I don't know. Look, the, I think if they handed me a, a really good video, maybe that would be a little harder to fake. Just some guy handed me a video on his iPhone with aliens on it. That's not, you know, from a YouTube or something. It's, uh, <laughs> Did it's you just from say their from a YouTube. No, from YouTube. I, I, I don't know, dude. It sounded like you said from a YouTube. It's so from I don't know the YouTube. You, you sheeple. Which, it's from the YouTubes. I think that's next to the Facebooks on the internet, right? Um, so you're saying that like, okay, so someone hands you a video. I feel like it has to be on a VHS tape though. <laughs> no because that if it's a video from the person's camera roll on their own oh, camera roll they don't even use that anymore but from their photos app um if it's in there and hasn't been altered in any way it's just a clip that's that seems to me that would be hard to to do like you can tell it's when it's not 
done from an outside source. It's actually done by the phone. But it, again, it's kind of hard, right? You can pretty much fake anything at this point. So skeptics like me would be called debunker, debunkers at certain points because I'm like, no, it's not real, it's not real, it's not real. But uh, I don't know what it would take to get me to believe something. Or what, what, what would you say if all of a sudden it does come out, come out that proof 9-11 was an inside job? I definitely would need a lot of, you know... Uh tangible pieces of evidence for me to actually believe a lot of that. Because uh, I think a lot of the, uh, especially in the case of 9-11, I think people mistake malice for stupidity um, because of the fact that like, oh, like, you know, the government is withholding all this, blah, blah, blah. I actually just think that like they overlooked a lot of things because human error is a thing that exists even in the security world, right? So a lot of things that, you know, may have been red flags on one point um, were sort of overlooked um, during the time, you know, just due to human error, right? Because it's a thing that exists. So for me, I definitely would need a lot of tangible proof outside of um, testimony and things like that in order to be able to sort of say, okay, like I'm willing to start believing this. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, one, There's one conspiracy that I always still bothers me. I guess I kind of buy the actual thing, the actual explanation that people say, but it's the Kennedy assassination because that is so long ago. There was so much spycraft and things going on in that era. A lot of people high up did not like Kennedy for what he wanted to do. And it seems there's, there's so many little interesting tidbits there about what happened to... Uh, Lee Harvey Oswald, how he came, somebody came to shoot him, Jack Ruby shot him, then Jack Ruby got shot. It's There's so many things that happen there that it seems like we'll never know the truth about that one event. And the plausibility of it being an overarching conspiracy and not just one guy with a gun is more plausible there. But I still well, I mean, think... look for the fact that like the official uh, document that came out, the Warren Commission report actually s- wants you to believe that the the magic bullet theory, right, that this bullet zigzagged a bunch of times through bodies, which scientifically and just makes no sense at all. Yeah, there's so many weird things with that. And unfortunately, it happened uh, well, almost 60 years ago at this point. Is it 60 years? It's already 60 years, right? So uh, no, about, no, no, it's about, it's about 53 years. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. 63. Right. So yeah. yeah. So yeah, it, there's so many things that happened there and it's so long ago and we, we have one film and we're lucky to even have that film. Did you ever see the uh, steadied version of that film? The Spruder film? Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting. Uh, along with the steady version of the Patterson Gim- Gimler, Gimlet film. What is it called? Yeah. The Patterson Gimlet. Yeah, um, of Bigfoot, which uh, I love that video, by the way. That, that, that thing looks really interesting, but we'll talk about that eventually. But all, that's the one conspiracy that that's, can, be, can go any way at that point, where it could be Oswald, um, but what, what is the Warren Commission trying to show us with this crazy theory about this bullet, which makes no sense? Then there's the JFK movie by uh, Oliver Stone, who he himself seems to be a conspiracy theorist, from what I understand. He is and he isn't. Um, I mean, he did produce a great uh, documentary series called The Untold History of the United States. Um, yeah, I watched so it. So check 
yeah, and I thought it was really interesting and brought up a lot of points that you don't necessarily get to talk about um, in a regular history class in high school, right? So I think that, like, at the very least, offering an alternative that doesn't seem, you know, out out and out crazy or, you know, like, conspiracy theory fueled, I guess would be the better way of putting it, I think is a a very um, good thing to have, I guess, in a society. I agree in that I watched that whole documentary series and didn't it didn't give you that weird conspiracy theorist vibe either. It was based in reality and it brought up some really interesting um, theories and, and points in history. And I highly urge people to to take a look at it. It's it's I know it's on Netflix Canada. I don't know if it's on all the Netflixes around the world, but the Netflixes. Netflixes, yeah. Coming back to JFK, though, so the movie itself is also based on a book that I've mentioned on this podcast before, which is Crossfire by Jim Mars. Right? He he spends a lot of time laying out Lee Harvey Oswald's history, how weird it is that he was in different places at different times. He actually was in Russia for a while, you know, and um, sort of lays out uh, different parties that could be to blame for JFK's assassination. And I think beyond that, too, right, I think the 60s were a really weird th- time for a lot of those assassinations, right? So you had JFK. You had uh, Martin Luther King and you had Robert Kennedy, right? All within the span of a couple of years, all assassinated in weird circumstances that definitely point a finger towards someone uh, in a position of power uh, in a governmental capacity. Yeah, there's all those theories about the um, Sirhan Sirhan being some sort of Manchurian candidate, candidate some kind of thing where he was compelled to shoot RFK. It's um, really, really, really interesting uh, that and horrible time too in the history of the u.s where a lot of people uh, were suffering in a lot of different ways um also in the 60s and something because of kennedy is the moon landing and that's a whole other conspiracy that a lot of people have um tried to kind of um, poke holes into um i personally think they went to the moon they did what they said they did um what's interesting is that we never went back and the theories behind that are really really cool in terms of uh, kind of being a little crazy where we didn't go back because the people on the moon told us not to go back or that <laughs> we're still going back because uh, we're building bases there. There's a secret uh, whole space the army. The secret astronaut there. corps. Yeah, the secret astronaut corps. That's something I'd love to talk about. But um, Just very quickly on that note too, have you seen the Shining documentary Room 237 yet? Well, you are, again, another psychic because... I almost clicked on that yesterday to watch uh, on Netflix. I didn't because I started watching um, something called The Good Place, which I highly recommend. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, Tip of the day. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But um, yeah, it was something I was going to watch. I'm not sure if I'd be interested in it. Do you think I'd like it? You would definitely be interested in it. Like you want to talk about kooky people going down a rabbit hole? I've watched it twice now and it's it's one of the most incredible documentaries in terms of like the minutia involved in a lot of these conspiracy theories. So one of the uh, prevailing conspiracy theories out there about the moon landing being hoaxed is that Stanley Kubrick was hired by the U.S. government and all of this was shot in a soundstage um, somewhere in London, right? And we didn't actually ever land on the moon. And some people are claiming that The Shining has... Uh, so Kubrick has hidden clues about this faked moon landing uh, to uh, the general public. But if you know what you're looking for, it's there. And I, I, it'll blow your mind in how deep down the rabbit hole it goes. So then uh, that'll be added to my list of things to watch on Netflix. 
yeah, you got to watch Room 237. Trust me, it's worth it to anyone out there, any of our listeners. If you've seen it, let us know. You know, hit us up on Twitter, double underscore Nancy. Let us know what you thought about the movie and specifically um, the claims that it makes about the moon landing being hoaxed. Speaking of things that are kind of nebulous, though, I texted you yesterday morning to wish you a happy Betty and Barney Hill Day. Yeah, and uh, it's fun that you texted me that and the picture of you on my phone is you standing in front of the plaque. And uh, that's, that's pretty cool. I would forgotten that it was it was at this time of year, but we we had to do that we had to do that episode before uh, the the anniversary. Yeah, and here we are. I mean, it, so you know, Betty and Barney Hill took their faithful journey from the nineteenth into the morning of the twentieth, and you uh, all know what happened there. And if you didn't, you can head over to Double Density, and I do believe it's episode. I want to say sixty, no, fifteen. Um, yeah, sixteen's are our backyard barbecue um, fun UFO spectacular. Right. No. So it's episode 14 um, released on July 30th, 2017, where I actually recount um, my tale of going to New Hampshire and finding the Betty and Barney Hill plaque. And then us talking a bit about the story, a bit about um, a lot of the aftermath of their alleged UFO abduction. And then Angelo throws in with his tale. Well, not his tale, but a tale as interpreted by him of the Mojave incident, which is uh, probably one of the more scarier uh, things that you've read, right? Yeah, it's it's horrifying. It's it's uh, in terms of things that I researched that gave me um, I, that I couldn't research in the at like after dark. It's that and the and Skinwalker Ranch. When I when I read um, tale was it tales for the Skinwalker or chasing the Skinwalker, <laughs> the hunt for Skinwalker. <laughs> okay, when I read that George Knapp book, it was uh, I'd started it in the evening, like uh, before bed. And I couldn't read it. I had to go. I read that on my train ride home every day, every night, uh, preparing for the episode. But um, I could not read that at night. And uh, same thing for the Mojave. There's a lot less to look at for the Mojave. I didn't read the book, unfortunately. Um, But um, I watched that uh, episode of Paranormal Witness outside in bright sunlight uh, on my deck and enjoyed it out there and not in bed uh, looking out the window for little aliens to pop their heads in. (laughs) <laughs> have you had a conversation with your family about you know like if we ever get abducted as a family like what to do so it's funny because we were all together recently and uh, my wife was making fun of me because i sleep well i don't do this as much anymore but i used to sleep my head's under the cover so my head would be covered and then like you just like my my face is sort of poking out and my wife was saying i'm, I'm crazy and then my daughter sleeps the exact same way and then my sister's like, well, I sleep the same way. And then my dad's like, well, I sleep the same way too. So it's a whole family thing where I guess we're scared we're going to get uh, attacked by ghosts or eaten by aliens. Who knows? For me, it, that stems back to um, the episode of uh, Unsolved Mysteries and The Missing Time, where uh, the guy talks about how he, um, it was, I think it was a military officer and he, was, um, he had looked up, he lost time. And then he, um, seeing uh, the cover of the book of communion, jogged his memory and reminded him that that's the figure that abducted him. And then that that cover of communion stayed with me as a kid and freaked me out. So I couldn't actually um, look on the side of my bed because I remember him saying that he had looked at on the side of his bed and that creature was standing there. I feel like we're never going to have to compile a list of things that freak you out and just sort of enumerate them because I feel like they, it's it's growing every episode pretty yeah, much. The f- the freaked out skeptic. 
<laughs> so the alien, the gray alien on the cover of Whitley Strieber's communion, um, the Mojave incident, uh, Skinwalker Ranch, uh, possessed children probably scare you. Yeah, see, I'm like, I'm the opposite of Mulder. It's like, I don't want to believe. <laughs> you just, you don't want to believe straight no. out. No, I don't want to um, But sometimes you're forced to think about the fact that these things might exist at the same time, right? And I, I kind of get a thrill out of that, like, a, you know, in the, in the same way that you read a really good story and you're, you know, there's that weird gray zone that exists. Just gray zone. No, no pun intended, Brian? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I wonder. Sometimes, you know, you think, wow, maybe there, maybe people are being abducted by aliens. Who knows? Um, because there's a lot of credible people with some weird stuff that have happened to them. Um, and I don't want to like, I, I can never say somebody's like lying. Most of these people are not lying. It's just what was their experience and what is the explanation? Is it that it's aliens? Is it that it's sleep paralysis? Is it some sort of, uh, chemical imbalance for that moment where your mind really played a crazy trick on you? Um, the Mojave incident, especially, it happened to two people who, uh, from what I understand, were completely normal and totally fine. Until they had their incident happen to them, right? Which is a kind of common occurrence where a lot of quote-unquote normal people go through some kind of traumatic experience and assign it to the paranormal. But I think that's something that we can definitely talk about on its own one day as an episode, sort of the psychological trauma of experiences and how some people use the paranormal to mask it. Cause I've definitely read a couple of cases where people have used um, none of this world explanations um, to some terrible tragedies that have happened to them. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's insane where the mind can take you and, um, if you start thinking about these things too much, you can go crazy. And I know of a lot of people, um, especially on on um, on internet forums where I used to frequent. I still I still go on, uh, where people take breaks because they just don't want to think about this stuff anymore. It's bothering them and it's frightening to them. I mean, it definitely can reach your subconscious in a way. Like I definitely have been affected, probably subconsciously, about all the reading that I've done over the last, you know a couple of decades, I guess, safely to, to put it that way. And yeah, it definitely can get to you, even if you don't believe it, just the idea of like uh, that something is troubling um, can impact the way that your brain thinks. Yeah. I, I uh, so every once in a while I'll have a night terror, which freaks out my poor wife. Um, but it happens. I'll that and sleep paralysis, which I haven't had in a while though, unfortunately, or fortunately, I guess. I, say, I think it's a fortunate thing to not have sleep paralysis. I think it's um, something I'd read is that, um, sleep paralysis stops well stops it if you have sleep paralysis it can be because of lack of exercise and there was a period of time where i wasn't exercising um, i wasn't doing uh, much in terms of uh, a decent health regimen and i last five or six years i've been doing very well with fitness and eating well and all that stuff so uh, it's been about that amount of time so i i think that kind of proves that um, decent diet and exercise will actually help with uh, sleep paralysis. Now watch me have sleep paralysis tonight, but um, I'll have to get on uh, one of those new Apple Watch workouts uh, that I didn't really mention. I mentioned nothing about iOS, uh, about uh, Watch OS 4. Can I encroach into the uh, paranormal segment? With <laughs> no, I'm going to close stuff? the door on this one and end this episode now before <laughs> it turns into an all-Apple extravaganza. So this has been episode 22 of the Double Identity Podcast. Tune in next week as we try to avoid using the word Apple. Angelo, it's been a pleasure, and I will see you soon. Yeah, that's not going to happen, Brian. We're going to use Apple all the time. We're going to talk about Apple Pie. 
right, I'm going to insert a goodbye here, and you can say goodbye whenever you want. All right, well, goodbye. <laughs>